the game on the line, you can't fold and you can't bend. Y'all uh, be playing it safe and I be going for the win. Remember back when they was doubting on the kid. Uh, now they tuned in because my game too legit. All right, welcome back, you guys. I'm Sean with uh, Forgiven AF Podcast. Super excited to have you all here. This is a second chance podcast. Um, I'm really excited about today's about today's podcast. Kind of like a fanboy over uh, the guy that we got in here. Um, Kyle Dostrich is uh, someone that I've looked up to for a long time. I've been following his fitness journey and his the gym and everything that he does. Uh, real quick before we get into that, though, a couple cool things that I want to share with you guys. Uh, this weekend, I'm going to be going to a, it's called Trace Diaz. Um, it's a three-day, kind of like a retreat, uh, almost like an encounter weekend to get closer to the Lord and get closer to the Holy Spirit, and uh, it's something I'm really looking forward to. Um, I'm not sure really what to expect, but we'll kind of see what happens. Uh, next week, I'll, I'll let you guys know how it goes. The weirdest part, I think, for me is going to be the fact that I don't get to take my phone, and I can't tell you the last time I haven't been around my phone, so that kind of gives me a little bit of anxiety. Um, also, I have some really huge news that I'm uh, excited to share. I think we found our second location for Second Chance Fitness. Um, it scares the crap out of me. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie, uh, but I think that with the team that we have together and the support that we have from our community, I think that it's gonna be. It's gonna be a blessing. I think that it'll work out really good. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. I'll keep you guys updated on how all that goes. You know, we're still in negotiations with the landlord and the lease, so. Uh, any prayers you guys could send our way would be awesome, would be awesome and helpful in that. Um, so here with Kyle, man, like I said, Kyle runs a gym called Hunger in the Wild. I'm actually excited. One of the cool things about this right now is this conversation that we're about to have. I don't know the answers to any of it. Like I don't. This isn't like a planned conversation. Like he, we're literally just running this spur of the moment. Uh, towards the end, you'll kind of see what the purpose of this is. Of Kyle's also in the nonprofit space when it comes to at-risk youth that he's like, it's a really cool story. I'll, I'm going to let him tell it. But first, real quick, Kyle, first of all, thank you for being here. Uh, can you give us a quick background of like who you are and where you're from and kind of like. Definitely. Yeah. And, and first of all, thank you for having me. Um, so I, I grew up in, I was born in Dallas, Texas. I lived here until I was three. Then when my parents split up, I moved to Missouri with my mom and uh, my dad stayed here. But I ended up growing up on like a 3,000 acre farm in like northeast Missouri. Yeah, we had like 10,000 pigs and we farmed 3,000 acres. My stepdad owned the farm and uh, grew up in a, you know, small agricultural town in, in uh, the middle of nowhere. And I think that really kind of laid the foundation for everything. Um, I mean, from, you know, he, him getting, my stepdad getting up early for hard, you know, go work hard all day, every day in the field, you know, till from dusk to dawn and, um, it was, it was a really unique place. It was something that I, at the time didn't really care for, but you know, as I grew older, I had more appreciation for it. Um, but long story short, I was ready to get out whenever I graduated high school. So I graduated high school and, uh, earned a football scholarship to a school in St. Louis. I played division two, uh, linebacker and running back at a school called Lindenwood university. And, uh, I was there for, or I played for two years, my sophomore year, I ended up switching from linebacker to full-time running back worst decision in my life I, I hated it. it you know it sounded all flashy and and great at first because it was running the football again like I did in high school scoring touchdowns but at the end of the day I like playing linebacker and and defense um, so whenever I made that switch I actually was also exposed to Olympic weightlifting and uh, the school had a, a Olympic weightlifting team 
that had like multiple Olympians and world championship competitors from all over the world. I was in the gym late at night, just working out on my own, kind of tired of football, but I, I mean, training was a part of my life forever. And uh, I saw this guy, big Brazilian guy, snatch like 200 kilos in the corner. And it just, the snatch, you know, it was one, one movement overhead from the floor. And it like blew my mind. And uh, I'll never forget it. And so then I started watching him like over in the corner. I'm trying to teach myself and it's struggling, but like kind of getting it. And he, he notices me and we end up having a class together. He asked me, hey, man, I see you trying to emulate what I'm doing. You help me with my American history homework because he's Brazilian. He didn't know any of this. Then I'll teach you how to snatch. And uh, that next day I met him at the gym. And from then on, like, I quit football the next day, turned in my cleat or turned in my pads, everything. It was, like, uh, it was during spring ball, so it was totally unexpected. Um, hard decision, but it was best decision, you know, best decision of my life. And uh, from there I started competing and traveling to Brazil back and forth to train with him and his coach. Um, cause after he, after he finished school, he moved back to Brazil, but like he, he competed in, uh, the 20, 2012 London Olympics and then also competed in, um, in Rio in 2016. And, uh, anyway, so he would come to, he would go to school, he'd go back and train, come to school, go back and train. So I started going with him and, uh, did that for, I mean, really up until recently and continue to train today. But, um, now, you know, own, operate a gym and, and starting to do a few other things that are related and, and really shifted my focus away from my training and more so on to, like, coaching others. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. And uh, one of the things, so we were introduced from Justin, yeah. one of my best yeah. friends. And uh, one of the things that I love watching about what you do is the way y'all's type of training is so functional and it's so, like, it's all about form. Like, form has to be perfect. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like some of the weights you guys are throwing around over your head is like stuff that I can like barely deadlift. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. I might look like I'm in shape, but I have no type of like, yeah, the no. way y'all work out is it's a whole different animal. It's so explosive. I remember the first time I asked you about it, you were like, no, it's more of like, I, I forget how you said nervous system, yeah. like, twi like fast, fast twitch. twitch. Yeah. Absolutely. Which is, it's just really cool. I want to go back on something that you said about the farm. Yeah. Uh, and the, it's cool <clears throat> hearing someone because a lot of the kids in our programs that we'll find out, and I know you already found out, don't really have father figures around, yeah. right? So it's really cool to hear you uh, explain how you learned about discipline yeah. from seeing your stepdad get yeah. up and bust his butt every day to work. You know what I mean? Every like, day, yeah. Like, do you feel like that engraved it's something in your system? Entirely. Like, I mean, it is. I am who I am because of that. I mean, from, like, the dude would get up at 3, 30, 4 a.m. to go load pigs into the barns or, you know, or load them out of the barns, and then yeah. he would go – in the field and he'd be in the field until you know late at night my mom would have to bring him a sandwich because he wouldn't take a break then he'd go to the gym at night he's like 67 years old still has a six-pack like a complete just savage of a human being and uh also like loving and and just an incredible guy and to grow up with that and like see the way he took care of my mom and my brother and I who weren't even his you know biological kids um just I mean left an impression that will last forever and it, there's nothing I could have ever asked for that would you know replace that I mean he even coached me and like when I was in third grade I was heavy growing up as a kid I was a little chunky kid and I always wanted to play running back as like little league I was over the weight limit I couldn't carry the football because I weighed 140 pounds and you had to weigh 135 or something anyways I was in third grade and he was my coach and we put together like a little plan 
to cut five pounds, make the weight limit, and I could play running back that year. And so that was third grade. I don't even know how old you are in third grade, but not very old. And I, uh, I weighed in. I made weight, played running back, like just beasted the whole year. All the other coaches were trying to get me to re-weigh because they're like, there's no way he's under the limit. And my stepdad's like, that's not the way it works. Like he already weighed, you know, leave it alone. And uh, just, I mean, I could, I could think of so many different times where he's, yeah, been, been really influential for sure. Man, I love that. It literally gave me chills when you were talking because I feel like, our world is getting away from having important, how important it is to have father figures. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. Single mothers can raise great kids. I've seen it. Yeah. But it's not the same as like, how do you know how to become a man or to become a father or to become a husband? If you've never seen it modeled, like I guarantee the way that you saw this man treat your mom mm-hmm. definitely is going to play into the way that you treat your girlfriend. You know what I mean? Already does. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's so awesome. Like, I think that's huge. So, uh, the next thing was when, um, your gym, right? Yeah. Hunger in the Wild. Where, how'd you come up with the name for that? Man, it's, uh, so it's been a part of my life for so long. And it's really like when I was growing up, I, ha- I have an older brother who's four years older than me and we're very different. Um, he's very intellectual and like he was as a, a freshman in high school, I think he, um, took, he bright flighted to college. So he scored like a 34 on his ACT. I think you guys take the SAT up here, but it's like almost perfect. And, uh, just like, you know, genius type guy and never worked hard at anything got in trouble a lot um very had no focus and I was the opposite like I I was always really focused determined knew exactly what I wanted would go get it and at a certain point he asked me like what's your deal you know like I I was in maybe seventh grade getting up at 5 a.m to go work out before middle school and uh he would drop me off in the morning on his way to school or my mom would take me early or whatever and uh, it's, it's just how I always operated. And at one point he asked me, you know, like, what, what are you doing? Like, what are you trying to do? Why are you working so hard at everything that you do? And I, I couldn't explain it. I just said, you know, I feel like there's a, there's like a hung, I'm hungry. I, I want something. I just don't know what it is. And uh, at the time it was like, he came up, he wrote a, like a, a poem basically. And it's called the warrior's prayer. And it's about like the will that it takes to survive in the wild, like a wolf, for example. If it, you know, wolf's in the wild and it's literally going to die of starvation, you're going to kill, you know, whatever or try to kill or be killed um, to survive. And it's it's kind of the way I've lived my entire life. Like, I mean, approach to everything. It's a uh, it's like a, a deep desire to and hunger for more and like more opportunity, more growth, more, you know, provide more value, more. I mean, more of everything, but in a way that's like very. um like, you know, it's, it's, it's human behavior, but we've kind of lost it. And the way I think about like fitness, like the wild, wild west kind of, you and I were talking about this a minute ago, like there's all this nonsense out there and it's everywhere. And, um, to really stay, you know, true and and focused on what is, you know, not what's right, but what works. Um, and then, and, you know, find the, the results that way. And I mean, you'll be hungry for more and more and more. And so it's like, I mean, the other day with Ken Derrick, the, the young man we were talking about, I said something to him because he was kind of, he, he could have been given more effort and it wasn't there. I just said, man, you lost your hunger. And like here, that's not going to work. You know, are you hungry? And he's like, yes, sir. I'm like, then show me, like, go eat, you know, like go, go kill whatever you got to do. You got to eat. And so it's, it, it means a lot of things. But to me, it really means it's like a deep desire to improve and grow. I love it. I, it reminds me of, um, going back to like more like the caveman days, exactly, yeah. you know what I mean? And like, 
you couldn't be this soft, weak man like back in the mm-hmm. caveman days. Like you had to get up every day, mm-hmm. find what you were going to eat, feed your family because you were the sole provider. So you were like hungry in the wild. Like you got to, you have a hunger that's like, mm-hmm. and I feel like as a society, we're losing that. It's gone. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. even me, like I've gotten too it's comfortable easy. and complacent and. I yeah. sometimes I just go. I'm like sometimes Lederick. I'm just going through the motions. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, sure. The discipline is there, but so I don't have that yeah. that drive. And it's sometimes yeah. you need to find that. Got and to and yeah. keep it close. You yeah, know, it's like for sure. And the you know whenever I was I created the business and was looking for a name or trying to think of a name for the gym, I, I it was hard. I mean I'm sure you can relate. Like it was difficult and I had a lot of pressure on myself, but the, it just kept coming back. It's like hunger in the wild. And I told a couple people and they're like, man, you. Nobody's gonna remember that. They're gonna. They're not gonna know what it means. Like, don't do that. I'm like, all right. You know, I kept thinking. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna do this. If it doesn't work, I'll change it and do something else. And uh, I did it. And when I did it, you know, there was intention that it's like, you know, if I if this is the name, it's gonna be everywhere. And if it's everywhere, then it's gonna be a constant reminder to me to stay hungry. Stay hungry. Yeah. And that's really what it is. Like every time I see the logo or the emblem, or I walk in the gym, or I see somebody from the gym that they immediate the first thing that pops up into my mind is like i'm hungry you know? oh that's cool do you use that too like with your with your members and stuff do you use that like the word for wording sure. and like hey you staying hungry stay yeah, hungry for sure always yeah i mean hungry af you know like yeah. all of it it's a i mean it's definitely a, a a meaningful thing a powerful thing and and the you know hunger means different things to different people but at the end of the day the definition is I mean, it's, it's like starvation type, you know, and so to live your life that way is, is a powerful thing and it will, you'll do things that you wouldn't do otherwise. No, for sure. Like if you're hungry, you're willing to do more. Like if if someone's starving, they're going to get it done. And I definitely think that we've gotten away from that. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. I love it. I think it's an awesome name. I think it's catchy. I would never tell you not to, because I think it's like different. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like second chance fitness is kind of hard to explain to someone else because it's about me it's more about my journey with like going from drug addiction and drug selling to pushing fitness and you know what I mean and a lifestyle change but it also can mean people like women especially like you know going through a divorce or just a second chance at having some discipline and confidence in themselves like like a second chance everybody needs a second chance yeah so it's like it kind of works for fitness no it totally works I love it I think it's it's great and like it you know, you can tell it kind of packs a punch like hunger in the wild people hear it they they want to know what it is yeah you hear second chance fitness and you want to know what it is yeah like what does it come from exactly when what would you say and I like this question this is just a question for me it's not even like a podcast question but what would you say was your biggest obstacle in starting or owning a gym man um, I know that's a that question can go on forever but it's if, tough if yeah. you had to think of because people don't understand. The gym business is not as glamorous as it looks. Like, it's really not. There's not a ton of money, believe it or not. There's not a ton of money. I mean, you can become successful, but you're not sitting around just, like, getting rich sitting on your butt. Like, there's a lot of work, and you have to continue pushing. Mm-hmm. But before I answer the question for you, what, what, what would you say? say? Say the question one more time. What would you say is, like, what was your, like, biggest obstacle in, like, starting the gym and getting the gym going and, like... Yeah, so it, for me, it started... It was not necessarily planned even I I had moved from uh, St. Louis to Dallas and I was here for about six months working at a gym in downtown Dallas and long story short they hired a consultant to come in and like change some things and it was not going well and I could see that it was falling apart so I was you know 
just noticing it and, and not backing out, but being prepared for whatever was coming next. Um, I, I'd started an Olympic weightlifting program at this gym that they didn't have before, brought my own equipment for them to use, and not saying I, you know, did a whole lot for them and they didn't do anything for me. I mean, it was mutual, but I, I, lend, I lent them my, my equipment to use. I started this program, built it up, and uh, they started telling me that I was taking up too much room in their gym, so I had to make it smaller, and I'm like, <laughs> you told me to build this program, I'm building it. Um, and then it was like, again, okay, it's too many people. You need to make it smaller. So at the end of the day, I knew what they were trying to do. They were inching me out and I cut ties. I said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to head out and leave. I'm going to take my equipment. I'm not going to take any clients. I just, I was training an all American discus thrower from Arizona state university at the time. His name was Michael Hawkway. He's like six foot four, had like a seven foot wingspan, like incredible athlete, um, and he was trying to qualify for the Olympics and was using Olympic weightlifting training to improve his throwing. And uh, he wanted to train with me. He was there because of me. And I, I told them, like, I'm taking him with me, but I'm not taking anybody else. So let's, you know, we good here? They, you know, it wasn't that easy, but at the end of the day, I left. We went around Dallas, like, that day trying to find somewhere to train. And I wasn't even looking for a gym. I was just looking for somewhere I could train him. Like, I wasn't looking for my own training. I just knew he needed to train. I had weights. I was willing to, you know, put them in my Jeep, take them wherever. Uh, nobody, nobody was really cool with that. They were like, they, you know, maybe concerned I was trying to come in and start a gym or take over theirs or whatever. And uh, so I think initially, like, the, the biggest obstacle was the, the, I didn't have anywhere to go. And I didn't have any money to, you know, to, to do anything, to buy anything, to rent anything. Um, I didn't even have a business at the time. And so it was, it was like, there were a ton of challenges, but the biggest one was just the lack of, of available space. And so I found a, a gym called CrossFit Heat that I had heard in the past had an Olympic weightlifting program in their basement. The guy who was running it left and started his own gym or something somewhere else. So we go there and just train for the day. And uh, the owner's like, okay, cool. You, it was during the afternoon, CrossFit gym was closed, but they let us in, you know, opened it up. Like, all right, cool, we're going to head back to work because they had another job. You guys good? Like, yeah, we're good. That's cool. You know, I didn't say it out loud, but I'm thinking, like, you trust me. That's really cool. I appreciate that. Like, everything's going to be good. Um, we're just here to train. That's it. And they leave, and we're training. And uh, I was looking for the bathroom, couldn't find it, and saw, like, a open a door. It was a downstairs. It's like I wandered downstairs, and it's just, like, this vacant space that was, like, abandoned. There's, like, wrist straps hanging from the ceiling, trash everywhere. You could tell it had been flooded. There were a few Olympic weightlifting platforms, but they were, like, all flooded and just nasty. But to me, I, I saw it, and I was like, oh, man, this is it. Like, th these people are cool. You know, they left me here. They're not worried about it. They probably need some extra money. I'll rent the space. I'll build my program. And so that same day, I left, went home, typed up a lease. Like, I didn't know what I was doing, but typed up a, a profit share agreement and a lease to lease that space. Came back that night when I knew they were coaching and proposed it to them, signed it, and moved my stuff in the next day, and then started the program. Um, and so from from there, it was like there were you know there were challenges still are today over and over and over again. But um, the lack of of available space was the first, and then from there it was like it was in the basement. Like there were no if I told you, hey man, come work out with me today, and I'll tell you where it is. I could even give you the address. You'd show up. It would say CrossFit Heat. It wouldn't say Hunger in the Wild. You'd go inside, look around. You're not going to see anything but CrossFit heat. 
it was downstairs around the corner, like 800 square feet, nasty little area. Um, but it was, I mean, so that's how it all started. And, and from there, like, you know, just, just built it from really from the ground up, like total grassroots. I mean, I started with two days a week training, um, or two days a week classes and then outgrew that had to add three, then outgrew that had to add four or five, six. And there were, I mean, I would just be there all day, like training, coaching clients, training, coaching clients, people would be, you know, they come downstairs and it wasn't a pretty place, you know, it was not at all. It was in a bad area too. And uh, there was a lot of intimidation, but I think the the biggest thing for me was like these people would come, you know, come to the gym, they would find it. Well, first of all, if you were going to come visit, then I would tell you to let me know when you get there and I'll come meet you in the parking lot because you, otherwise you would not find it. Then they come downstairs and they see me and, and, you know, probably initially there's some sort of intimidation or like, you know, he's in good shape or he's strong, whatever. But I'm like, cool, dude. I'm just, mm -hmm. you know, I'm like, I'm the same as you. Meet you right where you are. No big deal. And uh, women, men, children, like it, it didn't matter. And so we started to accumulate like it went from me and then this All-American discus thrower to, um, I mean, young to kids. I've trained like a, a couple seventh grade or volleyball girls. Um, we had a 75-year-old, you know, woman client, um, just all kinds of everybody. And it was, it really created a unique place. And then from then, I mean, it took me, I told everybody I'd be there for like a year until I saved enough money to, you know, sign my own lease and move out. It took me three years, <laughs> but we ended up getting out. It just was a long, crazy ride. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's a cool story. I had no idea about any of that either. Yeah. Now, to jump subjects, the reason, the main reason I brought you in today yeah. um, is because you told me about a program that you're starting that I think is like the freaking coolest thing in the world. Like, you know that I'm, in, I'm big in the nonprofit space. Like, that's something that I... Um, it's my passion. Really. Yeah. Like that's what I love. Um, more, even more than fitness is like building confidence and discipline in like these at risk youth that we work with. And when you told me what you were doing, I had been following you and I had seen this kid, but I hadn't known like the, like the concept mm -hmm. of what you were doing. And I think it's freaking awesome. Um, I even told someone I was bringing you on today and they were like, well, why would you bring another nonprofit onto your nonprofit? Because there's kids like there's so many kids that need help. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and absolutely. that's, and it's really about helping kids than it is about just like building my nonprofit. Yeah. So, um, you started a nonprofit called uplift Dallas, right? Mm -hmm. Um, will you share us like yeah. kind of how you got into that? Absolutely. Yeah. When I was in St. Louis, um, that's where I went to college and, and I stayed there for about six years total. It's a bad, you know, there are, East St. Louis is bad and it's like a war zone. I mean, it's really bad. And, uh, the gym that I worked at who, you know, um, I mean, he was one of my best friends, the owner of it taught me, you know, weightlifting, long story short, um, they were the center for a nonprofit called, um, lift for life Academy. And what the whole thing was like, they would provide a safe place for kids to come and study after school to come and you know, work out if they wanted to, there was a basketball court, it was like a safe place, they would come there, they would want to leave, like we'd give them snacks and stuff. But some of them like really took to weightlifting. And they went from being, I mean, some of these kids, whenever they first started, we'd have to go find them, because like, they, you know, they weren't at school, they weren't at home, they, we had no idea. So we'd be driving around, hey, Jerome, get over here, what are you doing? Like, get in the car, we'd take them back to the gym and unbelievable athlete you know like there were several of them but they just had no they, they didn't know what what was really going on or what the opportunity that they you know could come about from this and so like 
you know, showing them, teaching them and, and leading them. Um, I did that for like four years at a pretty, at a pretty deep level with them, like traveled with them to, to competitions and, and it just changed my life to see these, these troubled kids who, I mean, there were, there were a couple of winners where we found out that a couple of them didn't have any heat and St. Louis is cold. I mean, it's really cold and, uh, just like awful stuff. And so to provide something, you know, to them that gave them opportunity they never would have had. And, you know, it was the barbell really is what we were doing. And for me, the barbells changed my life like entirely. And, uh, to see it also change theirs again, changed my life entirely. So when I moved, I knew I wanted to do something like that. I just, I didn't know really exactly what or how. And, uh, I started when I first moved to Dallas, there's a school called um, Uplift Luna Academy, and it's in like Deep Elm. I just volunteered. I said, hey, do you guys need a, do you guys need any volunteers for like health and fitness or mentorship or whatever? And so I would go out there like two, two times a week for about a year and just and basically coach PE. And uh, they let me teach the Olympic lifts. And these kids loved it. Um, and so it, from there, you know, some there was some more exposure going on. And I started to realize like I could I could do something like this at my own gym. Um, and have a, a bigger effect and, and a bigger impact. And so long story short, Mario Beltron is uh, like my assistant coach. So I'm my best friend and um, more like a partner than he is an assistant. But I've been telling him for a while, like, man, I got this idea. I want to start this nonprofit, build a team um, and help some of these kids out. And uh, he's like, I'm with you, bro. Whatever you want to do, I got your back. And so he ends up calling me one day. He's like, man, you know that nonprofit you've been talking about? your first, cause we were, it was like a scholarship program. Your first scholarship athlete just walked through the door and I'm like, what, what do you mean? It's like, this kid's big, he like bigger than you big. And I'm like, bro, come on, man. Like how old is he? He's like 17. I'm like, there's no, you know, I didn't say that there's no way, but I'm thinking like, are you for real? And he's like, man, I'm telling you absolutely. And so Mario told this kid to send me an email and I would email him back and give him like instructions on, you know, cause let me back up a second. Whenever he came, so Kenderick, his name's Kenderick McMillian. And he, uh, he showed up at the gym one day, took a, a two hour bus ride to the gym. To sh- he sent us an Instagram. I actually pulled it up last night, a DM that said, I'd like to compete in Olympic weightlifting. I'm wondering if you could help me out. And uh, my wife who was running the Instagram account said like, the best thing for you to do would be to come in and talk to us. And yes, we can help you. The next day he shows up and uh, talks to Mario, gets the pricing and everything. Didn't say, like, I can't afford it or, you know, anything. He just said, okay, I'm going to work on it. Mario said, hold on, man. Let me get your info. So Mario gets his info, calls me, gives it to me. Before I even had a chance to email him, he had already emailed me and uh, was basically just asking, you know, I want to learn Olympic weightlifting and compete. You know, can you help me? And uh, I sent him an application, said, fill this out, you know, in full, like in detail, don't leave, don't shorthand me, you know, like give me everything and bring it back in person and uh, we'll talk. Next day shows up, not typed out, handwritten, like old school. Um, you know, he, he wrote as much as he possibly could. And the kid, I mean, the first time I met him, it was, it was obvious that that, that was the beginning of what, you know, what I've been wanting to do. And, uh, I think to, what was the question exactly? I got off a little bit. No, off. you're dude. This story is awesome. You didn't get off at all. Okay. Like you're going exactly what I wanted. Like you're going into. So the kid 
that was a question was tell me about uplift dallas like okay. your program but i want to keep hearing about this yeah. kid because he, i mean he really is he is uplift dallas like yeah. i mean even to the point where we were working on like the name and the logo and the colors and everything and i had told him like man i, I want to do this for me but like also want to do it for you and everybody else who will be a part of it um and i'd really like for you to, to be the face of it I, awesome. I want it to be about you um because that's how much I, I mean i believe in this kid and i was like what's the logo gonna be what do you think and he's like man i don't, I don't know like how am i supposed to know that I'm like bro it, it, just tell me some things name some things so we, he made like a mood board i had to make a mood board and put some colors together and uh you could tell he had never done anything like that before, but the colors are like purple and gold because he's from New Orleans. And uh, he wanted, I, I was asking him about the logo and he just kept sending pictures of me doing like a split jerk. And I'm like, man, I, I don't want it to be about me. Like, it's not what I, that's not the intention. And he's like, yeah, but you told me, I, you know, I could basically design it and this is what I want. So like, let's do a silhouette of you doing a split jerk and uh, that'll be the logo. And I'm like, all right. I mean, I told you, you know, you pick it out, so let's do it. And so we did put it together, um, worked together quite a bit on it and uh, formed the nonprofit. We, he didn't have a car. And that was like the biggest thing was he was taking, the, you know, the bus was like an hour and a half to two. Well, first of all, last night I learned this. He had to take a, a bus to a train, to train to a bus to get to the gym. I didn't know that. I thought it was just a bus, which, you know, not to say that's not, you know, an obstacle, but he was taking multiple, you know, multiple different transportations just to get to the gym. And it was taking like two hours there and two hours back. And I found that out and just said, we got to change this, man. Like that's, I, you know, respect you a lot for doing this, but it's eating up everything. You got no time left and you're dead tired because you're getting home at like midnight. So we did a fundraiser. I told him, I said, we're going to get you a car. I'm not going to buy it. I'm not going to give it to you. Even if I, you know, I would like to, but I wouldn't because that's not what I'm trying to do here. I want to, you know, help you and teach you values and everything. And we did a fundraiser and man, the people from the gym who had seen him like in their training and like all this talent and potential, you know, people just fall in love with him. And we raised the money. I taught him how to drive. He had never drove before. Like, bro, we had to line up my trash cans in the front of my house, like in the street to do parallel parking. And, uh, it's it just like an experience we it'd be like late at night because you know after work or whatever after training we go spend 30 minutes trying to do it and i mean just I'll, stuff i'll never forget or like the first time i let him drive my car and i was riding in the passenger seat just like oh shit. like you know i'm we might die like go slow <laughs> please and uh i mean just all kinds of crazy stuff took him i think three times to pass his his driver's test my my girl took him twice and i took him the last time and he passed and like he came out of the license office. Man, I've never seen such a big smile like my entire life. And uh, he drove the, you know, he drove home that that day from the the license office. And um, I mean, from there, uh, his first plane ride, like he qual he's qualified for multiple national events and uh, in Olympic weightlifting. And the first time he was on a plane, um, look, big boy. I mean, he's big. He's bigger than me. He's like two hundred and. I say he's 250, but he really weighs like 220 or so. But he just looks massive. And he's in the, you know, in the little plane seat. And he's like, when they're taking off, like terrified. And I'm like, buddy, it's okay, bro. Like, this is just how it is. Um, but he had never experienced anything like that. Never been on a plane. And um, I mean, there's a long list of things that, that, you know, he's been able to do because of 
what he's like the the work and the effort that he's put in and um, I mean it's just amazing and before that even like he, the kid had he, he probably would have played division one football but his freshman year he was diagnosed with a, a rare blood disorder um, he had blood clots in his legs they told him like you're done with sports this is I don't remember the name it's I think they were DVT um, um, blood clots but they told him like this is it anyways he overcame those and um, his sophomore year he was working out with the football team although he wasn't really supposed to be and uh, suited up they were practicing he couldn't breathe just said I couldn't breathe like it hurt really bad my chest I couldn't breathe but mom told me I just need to get in shape and he was like and I thought the same thing like I just was out of shape and so I'm trying to get in shape but I couldn't breathe and uh ends up passing out and they thought it was or he thought it was from dehydration suits up the next day goes to practice same thing can't breathe a lot of pain in his chest they end up going to the emergency room got blood he got blood clots in his lungs oh man and uh was in the hospital for seven days, couldn't eat or drink for seven, or couldn't eat anything for seven days, couldn't walk for seven days. And uh, went from like 210 pounds down to like 160 pounds. And they told him like, you know, they didn't say you're going to die, but they, that was something that was, you know, fighting for his life. And they said like, you're done playing sports, contact sports, lifting weights. This is all, you know, finished. And um, I mean, I can't even imagine how, how that felt but he you know he told me when the first day he went home after the seventh day so I guess on day eight first place he went after he went home was to the gym wasn't supposed to but he did it and I was like what'd you do and he said man I, I tried not to do much I just did a little bit of bench press like just make sure I could still do it and so like, what what was the you know what were you thinking whenever you went he's like I was getting in shape for football He was like I, I wasn't done you know they might tell me that but it's this, yeah. is, this isn't how my story ends and uh, man, you're a you're a different, different. That's a different breed. It is, bro. And it's, I mean, I could go on and on and on, but it's it's he's a rare individual, and the the talent that he possesses is mind blowing. So as far as um, like growth in the program, he's the you have one. He's the one kid in the program right now. We have a few, but he he's like the. I mean, he's the he's like the main yeah the figure of it for sure, and he's the one who's like really drawn other people to it. That's and that's normally how it happens. Yeah. It's like the same thing with our nonprofit. We have. Like, we got a couple kids in the beginning, and then from them, you know, some yeah. of his friends have wanted to come and be part of it also. What is your vision, like, let's say five years from now? What do you see in five years from now? Yeah, man, I, I think, um, you know, starting with him specifically, like, I, I th- he has the potential to, like, be an Olympian or be, uh, like, compete at the World Championships. Um, it'll take maybe eight, eight years from now, but... Um, so five years, you know, positioning there, I would say competing at the international level. And I think whenever he does that, you know, at that level, there's enough, enough publicity and like attention that the program, you know, naturally will grow because of that. And, you know, some of these other kids will see the opportunity. It, we, it's already happened where people have came in, they've said, hey, I see this on Instagram. Like this guy's going and traveling and lifting weights. Like I want to do that. I'm like that's what we do, man. <laughs> and yeah, so what about like – um the, the kids that want to do some in this program at risk youth that yeah. don't have the same situation but that might not make it to that ever be that like that level of a train you Abs- know what I mean absolutely and it's like I think the you know having somebody at the front who's leading like that and giving other people hope is really important but you know more importantly like it you don't have to be a talented athlete at all um, you you have to maintain a GPA you know, you have to have good grades. I love that. Yeah, you, you have to be, we, we have them sign like a contract agreement whenever they come. And 
you know, you have to act a certain way. If you don't, then you're not going to be in the program. Um, but we have, we have, we have a couple kids who are, um, one specifically, he came in with, he had lifted the weights a little bit in the past, powerlifting background, brand new to weightlifting, was not super talented, but here we are like three years later. And the other day I told him like, man, you have surpassed every expectation I ever had of what you'd be capable of. And, you know, I'm proud of you. It probably blew his mind. It did. Absolutely. And, it, and it's true. And I think with, you know, a lot of people like natural talent is one thing, but, you know, having the the will to train and like day after day and really adhere to the advice and program that somebody's like giving you somebody who's done it and like, can, you know, really tell you, show you what to do, how to do it, give you the, the map. Um, like your stepdad did for you kind of basically. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, that's what I keep going sure. back to. I keep picturing, picturing the impact of your stepfather and the way that he, you know, Raising showed you me, how yeah. to live life now is you being able to pour back into these kids the same yeah. discipline i mean you're one of the most disciplined people i know you don't look like that and do what you do without having discipline you yeah. know what i mean like yeah. i know you work hard you for sure you, so i feel like just the boys coming into your program and able to see the way that you carry yeah. yourself will wear off on them um he, he texts me he texts me that bottom message so he hadn't really even that's my stepdad texted me he didn't really know about the nonprofit. i hadn't really told anybody yet until a couple of days ago, I, I told my mom, like, sent her the website and everything. And uh, I wasn't keeping it secret. I just wanted it to be ready to present before I really, like, started showing people. Anyways, my mom told him, and he sends me that message and, you know, says, proud of you for caring about other people. And uh, it's, it, you know, it's, it, it is. It's, it's, he, didn't, he never told me, like, hey, this is how you do it. Or watch me do this. This is how you need to do these things. He just did it. was it. just an example. It was just an example. Exactly. And that's so awesome because a lot of times you hear people say, hey, do this, do that, do this, but they don't live by that. No. You want to see, you want to teach someone something, show them yeah. by the way you live and act. Absolutely. Man, I think that's so freaking awesome. Uh, something that I want to, um, real quick, and before we sign off on this, it's really important to me that uh, all my listeners or yeah. our listeners know um, how they can find Uplift Dallas, uh, how they can support Uplift Dallas. I mean, yeah. we have a lot of listeners that, you know, for sure. Are all about what you do. Can you kind of give us uh, information on even how to find yourself, yeah. yourself personally, the Uplift Dallas? Just pretty much give us a plug for all the stuff yeah, you have going on. Definitely. So the uplift, uplift-dallas.org is the website. Um, and through there, you can, you know, find out more information about about me, about Kinderic, about the, the program, about the youth athletes that we have. Um, you can also donate. Um, we have, for example, in December, we're going to Atlanta, Georgia. We're taking three athletes and uh, trying to raise money for that right now for travel and hotel and all training, you know, related expenses. And we have a uplift Dallas Academy is the Instagram. Um, same thing for TikTok, And then my, my, uh, for-profit business, the gym is hunger the Um, the Instagram is hunger in the wild. And then mine personally is a long one, but if you type in K Y L E Kyle D O S should pop up. Kyle Doster shows my Instagram handle. Cool, yeah. man. Um, I really want to thank you for this. For sure. Like, I know it might not seem, I know I just sprung this on you last minute too. We weren't really prepared, you know, and that's why I didn't know the answer to any of these questions. The yeah. stories were awesome. Like sharing with you about, you know, your stepdad really hit me hard. Yeah. Um, and I just love that your passion for helping these kids because sure. trust me, like God's going to reward you. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I know that there's not a lot of money in the nonprofit space. It's not like, you know, we're doing this to pay ourselves. Right. Um, so if we have any listeners out there that can any way help support these boys, especially so they can get to Atlanta for that um, 
please do so. Um, we will definitely, as our mentorship, we're going to, we would like to donate. Um, so, cause we've been blessed, you know, sure. with a lot of opportunity for, for people pouring into these kids. And it's just, if you want, we can sit around and criticize, uh, these kids, these at-risk kids that like are doing things that we, but if we're not riding, trying to get our hands dirty and help, then we should probably just stay out of the way. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like a lot of, Absolutely. you hear a lot of criticizing and a lot of like yeah. help out. I mean, that's where it's at. Um, so thank you, bro. Thank very you, much man. for being here. Yeah, it means sure. a lot. You did an awesome job. The way I love the way you carry yourself. You're an awesome person, man. I'm really Appreciate proud it. to know you. Um, but that's really it. Um, I just want to let our nis- listeners remember that you're loved and you're forgiven, and there's nothing you can do about it. So um, I guess that's it. Peace, y'all. We'll see you next week. <laughs>